Welcome to Motherhood Designed, a podcast about balancing all aspects of life as a mother. Join me, Gabriella Dokus, each week as I sit down with a different guest to discuss how they've designed their own version of motherhood. In this episode, I'm thrilled to welcome Sarah Tucker, lifestyle content creator and founder of the eponymous blog, sarahtucker.com. She's the mom to two elementary-aged boys who's known for her beautiful events, mom-friendly looks, and sweet disposition, so I was very excited to chat all things motherhood with her. Sarah gave great perspectives on raising boys, leaning into travel, how to set boundaries for yourself and your hobbies, and what this season of life as a mom has brought her. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I did recording. Enjoy. Today, I'm welcoming Sarah Tucker. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about all things motherhood and career and everything. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know you have two boys um, who are a bit older than my son and my son that I'm pregnant with, but I love connecting with other boy moms as well. Um, just I think it's such a, a specific type of motherhood, too, to have boys versus girls or the combo. <laughs> So let's start with a little bit about you. So where you live, um, how long you've been married, and how many kids you have and their ages. All right. I am. I live currently in Palmetto, Florida, about 15 minutes from where I grew up in Bradenton, Florida. Um, I've got two little boys, seven years old and 10 years old, and we have been married for 13 years. So Tell us a little bit about what you do with your blog um, and your work as a lifestyle content creator today and what that typically looks like for you in any given week. I feel like every week is different, but I do kind of structure it where, you know, I get the kids off to school and then eat something like fuel up for the day, always take like a quick walk um, and then start doing like tackling my to-do list. I would say it's kind of like a blessing and a curse working from home, which I think most people Feel because it's like all those home to do's mm-hmm. are coupled with all the um, the things you have to do too. So and then you want to have a life too. So um, mine are you know I kind of shut off right around three when I pick up the boys and you know I'm always thinking about what's for dinner, um, prioritizing that as well. So yeah, I usually try to sh- shut down around three, but of course like things pop up here and there. So. It looks very glamorous, content creation, but there's so much like, you know, um, contracts and invoicing people and things that you just wouldn't, you know, necessarily know unless you are, you know, behind the, the keyboard. Yeah. And I would imagine that, like you said, staying in your house where you are raising kids is like kind of a constant distraction because like you said, not only is there the what's for dinner tonight type of thought process and probably you're constantly looking at your phone and your computer, but there's also just the mess of kids, which I feel like is such a distraction to getting things that are not kid oriented done because there's always more that can be put away or laundry that can be done, that kind of thing. Yes. I feel like, and I think I have like undiagnosed ADHD. So I feel like it's just, or maybe children brought the ADHD on me. But I feel like it's just, you know, you're constantly moving. You're constantly thinking, like, when you're upstairs, this has to go downstairs. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is um, a bit of a balance. But it's kind of, it works, right? I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for it. I feel like otherwise, you know, the big, big picture is that you have, like, kids that come home to a functional home um, and, and you feel like you can function in it. So I'm thankful for that. 
Yeah, and it is nice to be able to work from home. So if you have unexpected things pop up as well, it's you can address them and not worry about being at the office and running home and that kind of thing. So pros and cons for sure. Yes. So can you share a little bit about your life and your career path before starting sarahtucker.com? And how did getting married and having kids line up with that? I know that you lived abroad, which is really exciting and kind of unusual. So walk us through the last, I guess, 13 years of your life. Yeah, the wild thing is I've been blogging for 13 years. So it's pretty much like the month after we got married, I started blogging completely as a hobby. um, And that has blossomed into a career. But I think prior to that, um, I worked, I, I mean, I was in grad school. I was a teacher. Um, I have my master's in health promotion, and I definitely didn't use any of my degrees. (laughs) I mean, not directly. And I think getting married, it was just, and we were moving abroad. We lived in Switzerland for two years. So that was just a catalyst to do something fun um, with, you know, the time that I had. And I knew people kept telling me like, okay, you're going to miss all this free time you have because it felt so not on purpose, like the rest of my life felt um, prior to that. But it is true. You definitely miss having all that white space um, in your life. And we just had a great time. And I feel like the, you know, more and more people read my blog. I ended up kind of branching off and doing wedding planning there for a little bit. And that was, that was a journey. (laughs) Because, you know, you don't have your Saturdays Mm -hmm. um, anymore. And I feel like, again, I can be short-sighted on some things. And I think I was. People were like, okay, well, once you, if you do want to have kids, this is going to be difficult. Um, So that didn't last very long. And I think as soon as I, you know, when I had my firstborn, I just realized how much, you know, how much I was working. And and it's really just so physically intensive, too, Mm -hmm. all the wedding planning um, and quite exhausting and then being a new mom is is quite exhausting so yeah um yeah I felt like you know once I knew I was pregnant with my second one I'd already kind of slowed down um and then then I just kind of planned my exit so before he was born my second boy um I was like I'm ready to do something different so kind of that time afterwards I really just focused mostly like I would blog occasionally Um, but I really just focused on, you know, just being with them, um, and being at home a little bit more, but yeah, still doing a lot of traveling then too. We've always done quite a bit of that. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my trajectory. And then I think in 2019 is when I really like my youngest one was four. So I just felt like I could kind of ramp things up and that's when I really, took this on as a career. Got it. Yeah. Wedding planning, I think, I'm I'm sure you've seen the wedding planner, obviously, with Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) And I remember being younger and everyone watching that movie and saying like, oh my gosh, I want to be a wedding planner. And I watched it recently. And I think the thing that struck me the most was that she goes home after a wedding and she has like a whole evening to herself where she's like making the TV dinner and drinking Mm -hmm. her wine. And I was like, that that's definitely not what actually happens for an event planner. So we were all sold a lie at the time. True. Um, Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yes. So I imagine it must have been a very, very difficult career to even have one child to balance that with because it's just it's so weekend intensive. Um, and it's a really expensive big deal for your clients. 
Yeah. And I mean, there's blessings of that too. I always say like now throwing parties really doesn't phase me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hosting, it seems so much easier once you've, you know, hosted tons of people for the most important day of their life. Um, so there, there's blessings of that too. So I'm thankful for it, but I'm also glad I'm out of that. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, every career step along the way tends to lead us to the next one, whether or not we realize it. So you transitioned from working for yourself as an event event planner to being mostly home with your boys. Um, it sounds like you were blogging a little bit at the time, but like you said, you didn't really go full steam back into it until a couple of years ago. Did you struggle with that at all? Um, speaking personally as someone who's primarily a stay-at-home mom right now, I think there is kind of like a loss of identity that goes when you you tell people like, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm home with my kids. Was that difficult for you at all? Um, or was it just something you accepted as a season of life? I think that, I mean, there were difficult parts of it because, and I also feel like it's a really hard gray area working at any capacity outside of the home. So it's like you're most, yeah. So most of the people that would be like, what do you do? Be like, I'm a stay at home mom. And then they'd find out that I had a blog, you know, or yeah. something like that, where, um, I feel like that's a really tough area. And I do think it's really, for me personally, it's really easy for me to get lost in motherhood. And like, that is my identity so much. And I feel like that coming out of that was kind of difficult too. And, and I still, you know, struggle with that. But I think because they, of course, you know, they're just the most precious thing. And it's always kind of like the mom that I wanted to be was a stay-at-home mom because that was what was modeled for me. But I do think it's pretty difficult. And it's hard to figure out what to say you do and and not diminish it because it's, it's really important, you know, whether you're working or you're staying home or you're kind of in that middle no-man land. I feel like also, too, it was difficult making friendships too, because it was either these working moms or my schedule was kind of like, I shut down at, you know, 5 PM cause I'm so tired cause I'm still at home with the kids. Um, but also like in between things, you know, responding to emails or whatever. So it just, it was a difficult thing. And then, you know, to kind of bridge the gap between the two, um, have friends that were stay at home moms, but then I would have to kind of be like, okay, but I got to rush home to do this. Um, and there wasn't a lot of that, but I just remember feeling like there weren't a lot of, a lot of that modeled for me that it is today. I feel like there's so much more of that now Mm -hmm. and that's wild because that's not even that long ago. Yeah, it's true. I think the kind of side hustle on the internet thing while you're a mom has become much more prevalent in the last couple of years. I would imagine definitely since the pandemic, since so much work has transitioned to being remote. I know I have friends who are primarily stay-at-home moms but work a couple days a week, maybe with like their old boss, that kind of thing. Um, and like you said, it is really hard to figure out what to say. You're not trying to <laughs> diminish what you do, but you're also trying not to say that you work full-time in addition to having kids. Um, it's hard to figure out how to bring up those side projects and those things you do. Um, for fun in addition to to being a stay-at-home mom so I definitely hear you yeah even like recently one of my best friends was like so when do you work and she's a doctor so she's like you know (laughs) which felt so in a way felt so sweet because sometimes it feels like people don't think you work you know Mm -hmm. um and so she was like when do you work when do you get it in and when do you do you know cooking or whatever because she has such a nine-to-five schedule um and so 
you know, even just hearing that from a close friend of like, okay, well, you're, you know, you're acknowledging that it's more than just going on a trip and posting about it or something. Yeah. Well, and the reality is also probably that you work so much, your, your hours are just so much different than someone with like a doctor with a nine to five. It's so true. And it's interesting. And I just, it goes back to never comparing yourself with people because she's such a fantastic mother. Like, you know, when she's off, she's all the way on, um, as a mom. And so it's so wonderful to see that. And so sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, you know, because I do find myself in that kind of always on in a way. Um, you know, there's times where I, I can put boundaries up and that's really good, but it's definitely, you know, the emails don't stop coming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to not, (laughs) we're always on our phones. So ignoring those emails is much easier said than done. Your kids are both elementary age now. So you've been through a couple of the stages of motherhood. You said they're seven and 10. So you're well out of diapers, well out of toddlerhood, well out of having a baby that's throwing things all over the place. Um, Did you, was there a specific age that you found to be the most challenging, the most difficult part of motherhood? I would say, I mean, it's different with each child, but I would say I really love babies. So it's like if a friend has a baby, I would steal it if I could (laughs) always have been like that. Um, But I think it's difficult toddler years. Like, you know, I think traveling, everything. And then once they hit two, Or even before that, they're just so busy that it's like you're just trying to keep them alive. But I will say, I think, you know, every every stage is magical and wonderful and kind of challenging in its own way. And it's changing every day. You know, even now as elementary kids, I feel like, you know, it's like I've heard many times, little people, little problems, big kids, big problems. And it's very true because it just, you know, the weight of doing it right and saying the right thing and acknowledging them is, can feel so overwhelming. And, um, so I would say toddler was kind of the most intensive time for me, especially when I had a two-year-old and a newborn. I hesitate to say that because you're about to have a newborn, but I, I think it's just, you know, you, it felt like an all hands on deck situation for me during that time. Whereas now... It, it feels like, you know, so many people are on your team by the age of seven and 10. Like you have, you know, friendships in place with similar kids. You have like family members that have developed such an attachment with your children. So many people like neighbors, community. So I think by that time you really, it, that kind of culminates and it really helps you. It supports you. But, you know, in the very beginning, it's like, where is everybody? And, you know, you, you're just trying to figure out where, where to get your help and, and how to help yourself and, um, you know, how to keep these children alive, which is still <laughs> my number one goal. So all of our primary goals at the end of the day. It's a really good point that I think, you know, people talk about having your support system in your village with young kids. And it's so true that, you know, you need people, you need your girlfriends to talk to, you need support of you know your partner, you need family support, babysitters, what have you. But the the easy help hasn't kicked in yet, um, which means like, you know, my kids are driving me crazy and I really need to get this done. Can they go to a friend's house and mm-hmm. run around in the backyard? And I don't feel like their mom is babysitting them because they're all just entertaining each other or school or sports where you can, you know, fit something in, you know, run to the grocery store because you need more milk while they're at practice, that kind of thing. It's like 
you have to spend so much time with them when they're toddlers. <laughs> and and then f- even just the weight of feeling like, okay, well, are they going to be taken care of? You know, yeah. there's just so much mental, like, things, that, well, things that went on with me. It's like, okay, well, are they going to have all of their needs met? Whereas when they get older, it's like you say, it's just a little bit easier. You can count on those friends and family members and running during baseball practice or whatever, get your milk. So, yeah. And I, it's, I definitely feel a little weird asking people to watch my toddler who might just, you know, destroy their nice, like white carpet or something in 30 seconds. (laughs) So, you know, it happens. It's okay. We all live. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned travel as something that you think was a little bit more difficult when you had toddlers. Um, but I know that you travel a ton as a family. You're on Instagram, always going somewhere, and it looks like you have so much fun traveling with your kids, which is honestly how I would love to raise my family because I think travel is so important, but it's really, really overwhelming (laughs) when you do have young kids. So was traveling something you started to do as soon as you had kids, or did you take a couple years off and ease back into it? Oh, gosh, I did as soon as I had kids. I think um, we took John to um, Mexico at two and then to Italy at six months. Wow. Or not two years old, like two months and six months. Oh my gosh. And then we took him there when he was like two, actually two years old. And that was a different trip. So like the two month old trip, six month old trip was so sweet. And then again, once my, once I had a toddler and a newborn, our travel was a lot easier Mm -hmm. and definitely always utilized grandparents. So, um, so very grateful that we could take our parents along and, and they were, you know, that consistent help, um, that was huge for traveling. Yeah. Do you have any favorite places to travel? Um, I know you do a lot of, a fair amount of domestic travel and you were so lucky to live within, I guess, close distance to a lot of destinations being in Florida. So not only Disney, but a lot of, um, Caribbean destinations. I know you were in Costa Rica. Have there been any that have been your favorites? Um, you know, I'm only an hour and 15 minutes to Boca Grande in Florida. It's on the Gulf Coast, and it is so beautiful. I feel like I have so much fun. It's just a fun family spot. It's not like there's a kids club or anything. It's just the fishing. It's just this low-key. You feel, like, so safe. And um, and it's one of those things I feel like it's always nice to have a spot where you continue to go back to year after year, and they develop those memories, whether it's with, like, we had my mom's 70th birthday there. It's just has so many special memories like my my sister got married there so um we have a lot of fun family memories and then abroad we go back to or this will be our third year going to san sebastian in spain where the boys do a spanish immersion school there so we'll do that all of july pretty much so this will be our third year but the first year we did it um my youngest was four and my oldest was six and you know, I feel like it's even, it's just gotten easier too, even from that transition to, I mean, we had, took a couple of years off because of COVID, but last year going when we had what, a six and a seven and a nine year old, um, you know, it just gets easier. So yeah. Yeah. But I do love to travel. I didn't realize that you were going to San Sebastian for, um, language immersion. I saw, I know I've seen you go there before, but I didn't, I guess, make that connection, which fascinates me because I used to teach foreign language. Um, but that's oh, cool. so great that you're doing that for your kids. Cause it's, that's really how they learn is when they're young, <laughs> starting in ninth grade, yes. it's not doing anyone any favors. 
Yeah, I feel like um, so many people, and that's something to talk about with, with travel. So many people say they won't remember it, all of that, but you will. And I feel like with Spanish immersion and just culture, just being exposed to so many different people is important in my day-to-day life. That's why, you know, they do community sports, not just all at their school, like just being around everybody, right? And um, being around different cultures is really huge for us. But yes, my husband's Spanish-speaking, so we hope that one day this will all soak in. And they go to school, they learn, they have Spanish every single day, which I think reinforces it. Um, but yeah, it's it's always, it's an uphill climb, I think, you know, just because they hear so much English, but maybe one day we'll get there to fluency. No, I agree. I mean, I was raised speaking French, not to go on a tangent, but I was raised speaking French um, in a bilingual household. My mom speaks French. My dad doesn't. He understands everything, which is really funny. It's probably You're probably similar where you understand a ton, but you can't speak it if your husband's right, speaking it like, to your okay. kids. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it took me a really long time to like warm up to the the idea of it and not have it be like this. Oh, my mom wants me to speak French <laughs> again. Yes. Um, yeah. But then it clicked, and I, you know, I'm so appreciative that my parents, you know, took me to France and put the time in to have au pairs and classes and all that. And I majored in French and ended up teaching French. Um, and like you said, the cultural awareness piece I think is so important too because. We're really one of the only countries where appreciation of other cultures isn't, like, part of our culture. We have a very individualistic culture in the United States, which has its pros for sure. But it means that, like, traveling, for instance, you know, people don't understand the complaint about, like, not having ice in the water. Right. It's like, like, well, that's... Yeah, well, that's just, like, not what they do here, Um so it can be annoying. But like that's a you problem when you're in Europe. That's not a Europe totally. problem. Um, so kind of just that awareness from a young age, I think, is so important as an adult going out and navigating, you know, life in a, a global community. So I think that's awesome what you're doing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Do you have any tips or advice for moms who or families, I guess, who would like to travel more with their kids but are concerned about things like nap schedules and time changes and pickiness in restaurants. How did you manage that? Oh, gosh. You know, well, okay. I feel like Italy is a great stand, like starting off point mm-hmm. because they love babies so much. It's like they'll like steal your baby and let you eat, you know, <laughs> and who doesn't like pasta? So I feel like that is always a great part. Um, but I just think um, – Like when I grew up, I actually went to first grade in Milan in Italy. And so I've just been around a lot of that travel and I'm one of four kids. So I feel like there's a lot of chaos at our home and we've all like, we all love to travel. And I think that that started at such a young age. Um, And we all came back within 30 minutes with my parents. So kind of a testament to something that they did right. And, or in my opinion anyway, um, So I just think if she could do it with four kids, like I can do it. And also I I think also I'm, because I'm from maybe one of four, I'm very like pliable. I'm very adaptable. It just doesn't throw me, you know, as long as you're taking care of your kids needs, um, the best you can, I feel like kids can pretty much go with it. And, you know, you have, you might have to take more naps or, go to bed at a very weird hour, but, you know, seeing everything through with their eyes is so, is just awesome. And I love hearing what 
you know, stuck out to them and um, all the fun that we've had as a family doing that kind of thing. So my advice is really just do it. <laughs> Keep your eye on the prize, not on the nap time. <laughs> yes. Uh, besides travel, do you have any favorite ways to spend time together as a family? Because I know that you guys do spend a lot of time together as a family, which is great. You know, I, I really, a big thing for me is that I always grew up with, you know, meal, family meals at home. So I'm always planning about that. Like that is kind of a part of me that really isn't as pliable. Um, so I always love like a meal. We have a really nice bikeable area. So we'll bike a lot of times after dinner. Um, the boys are obsessed with board games. They even do it as like an extracurricular after school. That's cute. So a lot of times we're playing that kind of thing. And again, we're right now, we just got out of the soccer season. So now we're in baseball and I'm at the baseball field from Monday through Friday, <laughs> every single day, every single like after dinner thing. So a lot of times we don't get a lot of that. And I also, I love, um, having, we don't, typically watch much TV because the boys are so busy and everything during the week. But we have one show that we really love right now. It's so cheesy. It's called like National Treasure on Disney Plus. And so the one day that they don't have, they only have baseball, that's like what we love to do after um, dinner. So, and we all look forward to it and have popcorn. But um, so I think, you know, having something to look forward to as a family um, is always something kind of nice. And it's grounding for the week, I feel like. So you're uh, very much a baseball mom, it sounds like, in addition to some other things. Do you think there's any challenges to raising boys versus raising girls from what you've seen of, I guess, your friends who have both or just girls? Yeah, I think sometimes people are overwhelmed by the amount of activities that my boys do. Um, They're like, what? They're in this? They're in that? Um, And I honestly let them lead what they're interested in. Um, and thankfully our school has a lot of really neat programs after school too, like for an hour. So I kind of let them ch- pick and choose and, um, and which helps me out too, cause I get an extra hour before I have to, or before I get to pick them up. And, um, so I feel like my boys in particular are very active and they do really well with organized sports. And my husband was a baseball player, t- um, as well. And so, He's always loved sports, so he's always a coach. If he's not the head coach, he's, you know, an assistant coach. So he's just always out there. And even though the boys aren't on the same teams this year, um, like my little one will go to my other one's soccer practice or baseball practice. Um, they just are very active. So, and whereas I remember, and a lot of my, my friends with little girls, it's like they're just so, I was the same way. Like I would just want to hang out with my mom mm-hmm. like all day long and still kind of want to do that. So I, I just, I felt like it was, a, it's a different pace, um, but it's still, it's, of course, it's really fun to see um, all the things that they're interested in. And I feel like that helps me also not have them on screens too much, uh, that kind of thing. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, my boys are 110% energy all the time. So I kind of feel like the more activities, the better for us. But it's always good to kind of uh, reevaluate and, and see, okay, what can we take away? Or And I love like our, our time in Spain too, because it's so, you know, you don't have as much as we love our activities and our social life and everything. It's kind of this nice way to, where it's just family time mm-hmm. for the whole month. I mean, they're doing their school for a few hours a day, but 
it's just like this fun quality time. So um, we look forward to that too. And um, I guess that's not really talking about the differences of girls and boys <laughs> raising them. But I also think that being a mother of boys is just such a special opportunity um, for them to see, you know, a woman in a different in a, in a different, in the light that you're choosing, you know, my husband is really great at always saying like, oh my gosh, thank your mother for this. Thank your mother for that. Like when we, even for my work and everything, this is your, your mother, you need to thank her. And, you know, he's always really good at showing them that that's kind of, people need to be appreciated and yeah. seen for a lot of invisible work that we do. Um, so that's, something that I think is really special. And I also feel like my husband's just such a fantastic part. Like he's just such a wonderful role model for males. So it kind of feels mm-hmm. like that's what God wanted me to have. Just, um, so I feel like, you know, God ordains everything for, and that's how I feel. And I feel like he knits families together in such a specific way. And I do feel like this is just these two boys are huge gifts in my life. I love that you said that about the special piece of being a boy mom. I think so many people, if they see you have two of the same gender in particular, and I this I'm sure applies to women who have two girls as well, but people say like, oh, well, are you going to try for your, your girl? Or are you going to try for your boy? Like, it's not okay to be happy with just having one, but I think that to embrace just having one gender is also a really special thing because there are certain parts of being a boy mom or being a girl mom that are very special that you're not going to get with that mixed group. Um, And it's it's good to embrace it if that's what you're given. You know, you don't have to have your girl to see the joy in having boys. Oh, yeah. I feel like even when I was just pregnant, I'm sure you have too, they're like, wait, so immediately, are you going to try for the third? I'm like, I'm working on this one, just cooking this one up right Right, now. Can we we not talk about being pregnant again? (laughs) But I will say, and it's undeniable for anybody that's around my boys, they are like two peas in a pod. They're like otters. They play all the time. They rarely fight. Like it makes my life so much easier. (laughs) Um, They're like a couple of puppy dogs um, and rambunctious puppy dogs. So I do see, and I'm sure that's very similar with two girls. So for anybody listening, if that's, you know, something, and I think it's normal to feel like, you know, your life was different than how you imagined it. I would have never thought I'd have two boys. I'm, there's three girls in my family and one boy, you know, I was very much, it was very girl heavy growing up. So, but I think it's beautiful to just, like you say, embrace what you have and go all in and. And you can still be like, I'm super girly. And I, I feel like you can still embrace that side of yourself while mm-hmm. also providing snacks for baseball. <laughs> Endless snacks. Endless yes. snacks. In addition to being a really hands-on mom, which I know from your Instagram that you are, but also from this conversation that you are, um, you have managed to time to carve out a lot of time for yourself in terms of hobbies. So I know you're very close with your sister and your mom and your family, as well as you play tennis. Um, I know you're a big Peloton fan. I know you recently started dabbling in golf. So how do you carve out that time for yourself in such kind of like a crazy season of life when you have so much else going on, which I think is great? You know, I think from an early 
like stage on, I had my mother and my mother-in-law, both of them like speaking, like you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And I think that that was very important to me. So if you don't have a mother or mother-in-law telling you that, I'm telling you that right now, you have to prioritize yourself. And there have been times where I haven't, and it definitely takes a, a turn for the worse. Um, and I just think, like I was saying too, you know, your identity can be so easily wrapped up in being a mom and taking care of all of their needs. But you have to really remind yourself of who you were before you had kids and, you know, the interests that you have and and not let those go completely to the wayside, I think. Um, and even just your mental health. It doesn't have to be carving out tons of time. I mean, I'm done. If I do play tennis, I'm done by 930, you know, and, and that's a lot. So um, it's just those little things that I think really do help. And I, I definitely carve in like having facials and massages and that kind of stuff because we do give so much to our kids. And, and I think everybody's specific in what gives back to you. But like for me, I, a giving back can also just be like taking a, a, a walk in the sunshine, um, you know, midday when I realize like I haven't gotten up. Um, so I think it's just, I mean, I definitely don't always get it right. And sometimes I'm so out of balance and I'm giving so much, you know, to the school or anything. Um, but I think also just, I mean, boundaries is something that I'm always working on. So realizing my limits and, and setting some boundaries. And I've had to do that like with school, even just, I was room mom for six years for both of them because <laughs> nobody would, nobody yeah. else would do it. And then it would always be like, oh, and there also isn't one for second grade or whatever. And so I always felt so bad. And this year I was like, I can only do one. I can only do one. And I'm not helping with the gala. Don't put my name in. <laughs> it's like those things that I realize. I don't have to do it all and you know somebody else will step up and it's you know you don't have to do both grades or you don't have to do any of that it's just um there's seasons where again you can do it if that and i'm glad that i do that that's kind of my personality but there's seasons where i have to pull back and when my kids get a little older maybe i'll want to you know plug back into those gala roles or chair roles um but right now i'm i'm good just being a room mom to one class <laughs> Just the one you picked, you set your yes. line. No, it's, yeah. that's great though. But I think it's it's really great to see women who have hobbies, I think, outside of their home and their jobs. Because it, it gives, I mean, you have a, a large platform and it gives other women permission to do the same, which, like you said, your mom and your mother-in-law told you to do it. And sometimes we don't have those people in our lives to tell us. So it's it's great to see someone else kind of prioritizing the things in life that fill their cups, not just everyone else's. Yes. And I, I mean, think about, well, my, for my husband, it's like, there's no guilt if he's going to play golf for right. four hours. There's oh, yeah. none of that. No. He's not like, oh, I'm so sorry. Or internally feeling any guilt. So I know it's a lot we have to unpack there, but um, yeah, you know, just take care of yourself. <laughs> I was talking to a, a woman who has older kids and I was talking about getting back into golf I haven't played golf since I was in high school and I was like, Oh, you know, I've thought about getting back into it, but I don't think I'm going to do it until, you know, my kids are at the age where they no longer need me. So I have more time to devote to it. And I'll never forget her response. And I think about it all the time. And she's like, you're going to be waiting for 25 years then. And it was like such a kind of a light bulb moment where I was like, yeah, she's right. Cause there's always going to be a need that comes before starting golf again. If that's what I want to do, I'm always going to be able to find a need that's more important than that. 
Um, oh, absolutely. And so. I feel like, and my mom will say like, the needs don't quit when you have a children. Like they're just, it'll turn into grandkids or you're just always, you know, I think that's a wonderful thing about motherhood or that my mom has always said, like, you don't just have them for 18 years. Like if you do it okay, or not if you do it right or whatever, but like if, as long as your kids are feeling loved and seen and needed and fed, I feel like you're going to have that relationship forever. I hope anyway. So yeah, do what like might light you up a little bit, you know, don't wait for things to be perfect. And also I think a lot of people get so hung up. I'm like, I'm not perfect at this. You know, like I'm not great at tennis. I'm not, I'll tell you, I'm not great at tennis, but I'm out there and it's fun and you get to see friends and connect with them and laugh and you know, you're out in the sunshine. So that kind of helps. Yeah, definitely. So just do it. (laughs) Speaking of other things that fill your cup and also fill the cup of those around you, I know hostessing is a really important part of your life. Clearly you come from an event planning background. So like you said, it's not as overwhelming to you as it might be to some people, but your events are always really family-friendly, kid-centric, relaxed. Do you have any tips or advice for moms who are looking to entertain a little bit more but don't even know where to start? Okay. Well, if weather allows, I would say try to do it outside. So like there's less foot traffic in your home. I feel like that makes me a little less crazy. Also, if you have two-story homes, which is what I have, I always say like you can go anywhere in my house, but you need to stay on the bottom floor because it's just too much. Like, you know, and there's different ages. There might be a two-year-old to a 10-year-old. So I just would rather keep an eye on them. But yeah, I think just doing, like taking their interests and and having fun with that. Like my kids, these very strange things called Beyblades. Your toddler's oh. probably not into them. No. But they're like spinning tops and you like, you fight and everything. And, and my family for so long, like when we all would get together, like the cousins and everything, we'd have Beyblade tournaments. So it's just like playing up whatever. I mean, even the adults are playing Beyblades, you know, and it's just playing up what they're interested in and, and realizing like, to me, nothing is too precious in my home at all. That's maybe why I have a lot of thrift store things. It's like, you know, I can clean a rug. I can, or you know what, if I have this divot in my door, then it's kind of a, I guess my perspective is different, but I, it's kind of a fun memory. Like, okay, well this kid colored on my door. Cool. (laughs) So nothing's too precious is basically your (laughs) your mantra. Yeah. And like people's, you know, care more about people than, than having things that are perfect. Yeah. That's so true. It's when we, and when anyone hosts, I think they're more concerned about people thinking that they're perfect because we just constantly think that other people are judging our, our bathroom for not being spotless enough, but I've never gone to someone's house since I was, going to frat houses in college and said, yes. this house is disgusting. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I yeah, did. People just want to be invited, yeah. I think, is the big thing. And sometimes you have to be the, pe- the person that invites. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that I always kind of hits home. What is your mom uniform? I know you talk a ton of fashion on your blog and on your Instagram, but what are you pulling on on a daily basis to feel put together but still appropriate for mom life? I feel like some days I, yeah, some days are better than others for me, for sure. Um, but I, I'm pretty low maintenance as far as like, you know, my hair is pulled back right now and I just get out of the shower. So if I'm not doing photographs or anything like that, which is nine times out of 10, I'm not getting full glam. I might put on like the Westman little drops, which is what I have on right now. And then some concealer. And then I love 
the Tuckernuck Sport and Renwick Sport. I love both of those for just because I also want to have the flexibility of like getting outside. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if I'm going, I do the lunch um, room at our school occasionally. And so for that, I might, you know, dress up a little bit and like more like I have like little a sweater for my heart. I, I try to play up whatever's going on. Um, but yeah, I think block print dresses, like, because I live in Florida again, and it's nice and like lightweight is like a good thing to throw on and go and, and get to it. Um, and something I didn't realize was going to happen was, um, I would always post my soccer Saturday uniforms. And that was something that so many people have been like, Oh my gosh, you've inspired me. I'm like, I didn't even know this was all that, you know, inspiring content, but you know, just to feel good in, in your skin is great. I mean, so sometimes fashion can help with that. Yeah, it really does. I, I've had this conversation, I feel like, a bunch of times now where it's just like being a mom is so – like we talked about that loss of identity mm-hmm. <laughs> and wearing something that makes you feel good about yourself is a really good way to combat that. Not that it changes everything, but if you feel you know pulled together and not like a slob, it really makes a world of difference in terms of that, that mm-hmm. identity. So I hear you. Absolutely. Where are your favorite places to shop for your boys? I you recently oh linked those polos, um, the oh, little yes. they, that were She's so sweet. cute. <laughs> that girl, she makes she makes the cutest all of her polos. Like if you want to go to Disney World, get those polos because it's like cute and classic, but not overly Disney. Um, I love Lila and Hayes for like those to me are the best pajamas hands down. I definitely shop plenty of secondhand stuff. So I love this place called Shop Bagsy online, mm-hmm. B-A-G-S-Y. And I get a lot of like the boys Lacoste shirts from there because I feel like the Lacoste shirts are kind of, as soon as you get them and throw them in the wash, they're the same like for the rest of their life and they last for so long. Um, Cadets, I love their little mm-hmm. shorts and Courtside Kids is, I love that whole concept. It's all, um, you know, performance wear that is not Under Armour, which I greatly appreciate and Beaufort Bonnet, Southern Tide. And I, if you don't have a big mall around you, I feel like Dillard's, a lot of people have Dillard's in the South Mm -hmm. and that has a good array of different, um, you know, boys clothes. Shopping for boys is just, is so fun. (laughs) I could do it as my job. So another place that you might like is, um, Honey Bee Tees. Have you ever seen those? I haven't. When my kids were little, I almost always I need to buy more for them but they're all like very simple designs no words on them but like cute stuff like Mm -hmm. there will be a fire truck but it's like hand-drawn and very cute and it's very simple so I love that brand as well are there any accounts or brands you love to support for yourself that are mom or I guess just female owned in general um you know I got the chance to meet Lauren Dudley from Dudley Mm -hmm. Stevens last year and my husband I was like that is her JB like oh my gosh we were on vacation starstruck he's like go over there please and say hi you weirdo so I did and introduced myself and she was so cute and like her her family was adorable and she was so sweet and I actually had like been wearing my Dudley Stevens because it was very cold that weekend um so she's fantastic and I love work anytime I get to work with them um there's so many gosh I mean, I follow a lot of people. So, so many brands that are just so fantastic um, these days. I just, I love all these women supporting women uh, through fashion and 
and their brands. And I love, um, all, well, totally different, not fashion related. It's that Young, Wild, and Friedman. I've always loved her little like sensory boxes and everything. Okay. And seeing her just take off. It started so small and now it's just everywhere. It has been really cool to see. Instagram has definitely made it much easier for small business owners to connect with their target audience, obviously. Um, Dudley Stevens is such a great example. I feel like I've heard so many moms reference that on this podcast, but they're like the perfect item for mom life. It's like literally Mm -hmm. that's just who they were made for. I mean, I can't imagine anyone that's a better fit for their turtleneck. I know, you just like mom. put them on and you're like, I'm a little more put together now. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been able to wear mine yeah. in the last couple months and I'm like, oh. I have these, you know, like oh, acrylic yeah. maternity sweaters. It's like, it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, there's something about it. I know. What do you think the most important thing in learning to balance motherhood has been? Um, and that can be like a support system, your family, Um, an approach, just a mantra, like what do you credit the most with how you balance everything today? Oh gosh. I think I, I always kind of think in like the long game, you know, Mm -hmm. I like, if this isn't going to matter in five minutes, you know, if this tantrum, like if we can't get through that, you know, if we can't repair that with each other, you know, that's, it's more important for the long game for their like self-confidence and everything. So I'm always thinking about like, you know, 20 years from now. And, and that's sort of my, I don't know if that's a good mantra, but, and also the long game of like, I want to be working on myself. Like I don't want to just, or not just, but be focused, so focused on them and have all my eggs in my basket for my kids, even though I, I do in my heart, I want to also have, be curious about what I love to do and, you know, be building something that I'm really proud of. I think that, you know, it's not selfish to, to work on yourself. I mean, I think that's a good thing to model for two little boys that you have to take care of yourself. And again, yeah, I'm always thinking of big picture and long game, or I'm always trying to think of that, especially in those moments where I'm like, Oh gosh, this I'm, I've done a horrible thing. (laughs) This has gone wrong, but, you know, big picture, it really hasn't. It's true. Um, very little matters if you think about it in terms of a year from now when you're like, is this going to matter in a year? Not at all. <laughs> Calm down a little. But it's it's good to hear you put that, that thought out there so concretely. I like it. Last question. Shout out your website and your account. So where can listeners find you online? Um, you can find me at Sarah G. Tucker. Sarah Tucker was taken a long time ago. <laughs> so you can find me that there on Instagram. I'm on TikTok very occasionally as official Sarah Tucker. And then I have a, a blog that I always have um, at least one one new blog post a week, um, sarah-tucker.com. So thank you so much for your time today. I'm so appreciative of our conversation. And I think this was just really great. And I loved finally connecting with you um, in person. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Gabriella. You can check out Sarah online at sarah-tucker.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-T-U-C-K-E-R.com or on Instagram at Sarah G. Tucker. Both links are included in the show notes and on motherhooddesign.com. Her guest list post on the Motherhood Design website also contains links to all other episode mentions and shout outs. 
Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and the small business owners it features. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating or review on Apple or Spotify. I appreciate your support so much. You can also follow along with the podcast at Motherhood Designed on Instagram or motherhooddesign.com for more info about guests, including their mentions and recommendations from each episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And until next time, take care.